Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you today? Six of you are awesome. The rest of you are like, I'm too tired for that, man. Uh, we're so glad you're here. My name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors around here at LifePoint. And man, it's such an honor. If you're a guest with us today, thank you so, so, so much for being with us today, especially at this service, because you had to wake up early to be here. It is early, especially on a Sunday. 90% of the San Antonio area, they're asleep right now. But you're champions because you're awake and you're getting your game face on for whoever your team is. Cowboys. And anyways, uh, <laughs> go Cowboys. Um, and uh, is, is it wrong that I say that? I probably, if you're not a Cowboys fan, but it's not if you're a Cowboys fan. Come on, somebody in the house. <laughs> All six of us today, uh, but we're so glad you're here. Hey, real quick, um, out in the lobby, uh, right here on the side, other side of this wall, right here on this side of the wall, um, our friends from SA Heels are out there in the lobby today. Um, these are one of our uh, partners here in missions in, in the local area. Uh, these are folks that we uh, love and admire and really appreciate the work they're doing. Uh, uh, several weeks ago, we did a message, and we were talking about making a difference, and many of you uh, they, they came out that day and, and had some cards out, and several of you signed up for that. And they, they, uh, they are here again. If you want to sign up for one of their lunch, they got two programs, Lunch Buddy, Reading Buddy. Um, they're serving the near east side, uh, some schools there, some elementary schools there, and who, some kids who just would love to, to, to meet you, to know you. And it's not a high-pressure deal, but it's an awesome opportunity to make a difference in the lives of kids, uh, some kids' lives, whether that's reading to them or hanging out with them during a lunch period. If you want to know more about what that looks like, how they can get, you can get involved, go see uh, Charles and Jennifer out there. They'll, they'll be happy, happy, happy to talk to you about that. We love those guys so much, and we want to support them big time. So, anyways, we're in a series uh, called Asking for a Friend. Um, and those of you who know that, that phrase, uh, asking for a friend, it really means, hey, I have a question, it's awkward, I'm kind of I'm afraid to ask it out in public, so you maybe have guised it under the question, so hey, what about this thing, asking for a friend, right? You've done this before, anybody? Okay, three of us again. Um, so we're, we're asking a question for a friend, but it's really a question that maybe we have. And so what we've been doing during this series is trying to ask some kind of difficult or challenging or embarrassing or whatever questions that people go, I kind of want to know what, this, what the Bible says about this or what the church thinks about this, but I'm asking for a friend. So today is going to be like the most practical of all of the five messages by, by a long shot. Um, because somebody, and again, I've had these questions asked me, why do I keep ending up with all of the wrong people in my relationships? Now, you don't have to nudge anybody near you or go, this is for you or whatever, but some of us know that person that, man, every person that they go out with, it's like, seriously, you're going down that road again? Do you not see this coming? And, and then they're like, well, I don't know why I, I always find the jerks, and she's always a loser. Well, you got picking problems, see? And we're, so anyways, uh, I, I, uh, I want to talk about that today. And, and I'll tell you why I want to talk about it in just a moment. And I'm going to borrow today from a resource called uh, The New Rules for Love, Sex, and Dating by a pastor in North, uh, North Carolina, in, in Atlanta, uh, called Andy Stanley. Uh, tremendous resource, single people. Uh, no matter what your age range is, where you're at, I highly recommend this resource. This is going to be fun, and, and as we jump into this real quick, I want to tell you who this message is for. Uh, this is for students uh, who are wanting to, any students in the house today, high school, middle school, or college, where you at? 
Yeah, a couple of them over here. This is for you. Uh, this is for people who've graduated from high school and you're going, I, I need to start dating somebody or I would like to or I'm, I'm fasting for, like before the Lord so he'll provide. Anyways, this is for singles who are dating. This is for married people who are trying to make their marriage better. This is for people who used to be married and are jumping into that scary aquarium of dating that is like, like as I'm looking at it now as a 47, almost 48-year-old man, I'm like, dear God, Thank you for my wife. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Thank you. Um, I have a cousin, and he's like, Danny, he's, he's one year older than me, and he just recently got remarried after 10 or 12 years of being single, and he's like, bro, it's, it's a nightmare out there, man. I'm telling you, it's a nightmare out there. And uh, he did like a... Like a uh, Kramer, Kramer voice. Anyways, uh, it's different than, than it was back in my day, and I know I'm old. Back in my day, fellas, those of you who are close to my age, you remember this. You would see a girl, and you, you would say, I, she's pretty, or you, you like her, or whatever, and then you would go up to her, uh, terrified, but still you would go up to her face-to-face -face and ask her out and hope for the best. Come on, y'all know what I'm saying? And that was like it. You just go, how about me and you? You know, I don't know, you know, and... Uh, but today, you have to have like an applied science degree in human behavior and technology because everything happens with technology. God help you if you're like 56 and you still don't know how to use your iPhone, you're not going to get a date. <laughs> what does it mean to swipe right? I, I don't know how to do that, you know, or, or whatever it is, you know. And, and, and I'm just let me just tell you quickly why I'm doing this today. Number one, as a pastor uh, for 26 years now, I can't believe that that's a thing, but that's true. 26 years. Um, having seen uh, 14 years of the, uh, those as a student pastor, having seen the damage just wreaked upon young people um, in the dating world, making mistakes and, and, and creating havoc and creating baggage that they're going to have to carry through their future. That's, that's number one why I want to do this because we have a lot of single adults and single young people in this room. The second reason is I have two daughters that are teenagers. Um, and I want them to hear this today, and they're not in this service yet, but they will be in one of the next ones. And, 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 and I also want any of the boys who maybe consider dating them to hear this as well. Come on, somebody. Y'all see what I'm doing today? All right, all right. I'm going to start with a few verses that are relational in nature um, and that serve as the guideline for all of that we're going to talk about, that serve as a guideline for any relationship, but in particular for this one today. John chapter 13, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's trying to, he's coming to the very end of, of his time uh, with them, and so he's starting to drop heavy stuff on them. And so he says in, in chapter 13, uh, he says, verse 34, he says, a new command I give you, love one another, right? And then as a sort of caveat, like, because we go like, hey, everybody, love one another. And you're like, oh, whatever, that's just a saying. And you go out and do whatever you're going to do anyways. You're going to honk at people, cut people off in traffic. That's just me. Anyways, um, but he says, here's, what I, here's how I want you to do it. He says, as I have loved you, Right? So you must love one another. And he says, and as a matter of fact, this is how people are going to know that you're a follower of Jesus, not because you come to a church or because you drop a dollar in a bucket or whatever. He says, they're going to know that you're my disciples if you love each other the way I've loved you. Right? So what Jesus is saying here is that the rule for all of your relationships, no matter what the dynamic is, I want you, uh, I want the love that you display, that you dispense throughout the world uh, to other people to reflect the kind of love I've had for you. I want you to treat people the way that I have treated you, right? 
And, and when he said this to these guys, they're like, what, uh, how have you loved us? You, you, you mean, you, we're all homeless. We're walking around with you for like three and a half years, sleeping in the dirt, you know, eating whatever people will give us. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to them in this moment that he says it. But just a few weeks or months later, or however, whatever the gap was there, after the crucifixion, it all starts to make sense, uh, uh, all the sense in the world, because he's, laid, he's now laid down his life for them. And he said, now, when I want you, when you think about loving and relating to other people, I want you to take your cue, not from other people, not from the culture. I want you to take your cue from me. Everybody with me so far? This is what he's saying. It's an, as I have done unto you, do unto others kind of love. Now, the, the apostle Paul comes along and unpacks this same idea in a couple of different places. First of all, in Philippians chapter two, verse five, he says, hey, listen, in your relationships with one another, and, and he doesn't say in your marriage relationships or your, he just says in relationships in general, I want you to have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And we know what the mindset of Christ Jesus was because we just read it in John chapter 13. Like, like this is what you want to do. Now, he doesn't just drop us with this sort of vague notion. He goes on in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and he says, listen, I want to give you a fine print. I want to show you exactly what Jesus meant and what we, what we mean. This is, what, this is what he's saying in 1 Corinthians 13. And, you, and those of you who are familiar with the Bible, you've heard this before. He says, listen, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. Now, we always make this a marital relationship thing, but this is not just in the context of marriage, by the way. This is just in relationships. It's patient. It's kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong, meaning it's not a scorekeeper. And by the way, married people are the greatest record keepers of wrong. Come on, somebody. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like, Remember 17 years ago, and you pull out a flow chart and like a diagram that one time you did that one thing? Well, listen, don't be coming at me with that now, right? Come on, y'all. <laughs> My wife never has done something like this, but other people's wives and husbands do this, right? L love does not delight in evil. Like, yes, so glad they had a flat tire, you know, but, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. In, in other words, what Jesus is saying in John 13 and what Paul is fleshing and teasing out is, is this question that we're working from today is in light of what Jesus has done for me, what does love require of me to other people? In light of what Jesus has done for me, what am I supposed to do in response to that with other people as it, as it relates to other people? So what we're specifically talking about today is dating. And I guess if I could bottom line the message in one phrase, it's this. If you don't want a relationship like the majority of relationships, don't date like the majority of daters. The second service, I'm going to get more amens. I can feel that one coming. <laughs> I'd I say like this. If you don't want a marriage like the, the majority of marriages, then don't date like the majority of daters. Now, for the sake of our discussion, we're going to go back to this chapter that I just read to you in 1 Corinthians 13. Because Paul doesn't just finish by that chapter by describing what love looks like and what it doesn't look like. He, he, he has something else to say that's going to inform the big idea for this message today. In 1 Corinthians 13, 11, here it is. He 
He says, when I was a child, I, I talked like a child, I, I thought like a child, I, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Now, listen to me. Is this a word for our culture or not? When it comes to how we're handling our finances, how we're handling our politics, how we're handling our relationships, the public discourse, is this a word for our culture today or not? Right? We're all, just get on Facebook around political season and it's like, it's like a bunch of seven-year-olds yelling at each other in the hallway at elementary school. Come on, somebody. You're like, oh, he just stepped on my toes. Well, listen, you need to hear that, all right? We got to grow up in how we communicate and how we handle our finances and how we relate to one another, how we talk to each other. When it comes to how we date, however, we have to grow up. All right, now I'm going to step on toes today and it's going to be cool anyways. All right, you ready? I think all of us instinctively know that there are some things that you just can't do anymore as an adult that you got away with or considered normal as a child, right? You, you can't just get mad because you don't like the food and throw it off on the ground. Come on, right? Like, right? You, you can't just steal your cousin's stuff. Uh, my cousin always had better stuff than me. Um, anyway, you can't just throw yourself into a rage and scream until you can't breathe for 30 seconds, right? And some of you are like, what? You can't? When did that become a thing, right? Like, you see your kids, they're like, <gasps> and you're like, Breathe, you know, breathe, right? You can't do that. But for some reason that is inexplicable to me when it, comes to, when it comes to dating and the way that we interact with and the way that we see other people, um, guys in particular, we are still dragging childish ways into the mix, into our 20s, our 30s. And listen, people are dating into their 40s and 50s and 60s and we're still dragging childish ways. And the word that our culture has used to describe this, this, this character, this culture of dating is it's complicated. Right, you heard this? It's complicated. Right? And, and they're saying dating is, is complicated. Now, I, I found a couple of, fra- uh, uh, of quote- quotes from adults who are in the dating pool. Benjamin, I'm not going to say his full name because maybe you know him. He says this. He says, online dating is the worst. He says, each time I ask friends ranging from early 20s to their 40s how the temperature in the dating pool is, He says, I'm met with borderline hostility. He goes on, he says, for all of the talk of the ease that a dating app allows for a potential date, the impression I'm left with is, this is gonna be a little bit gross, just just heads up. Everyone is swimming in a pool that they all took a poo in, right? He's not done. He says, he said something different, but I can't say it here in public church situations. He said, instead of shocking the water and getting out, everyone decided they needed to keep swimming in the sewage perhaps even adding to it because the pool is where the people swim. So it's disgusting, right? In other words, he's like, what options do we have? It's a mess. It's horrible. But hey, if you're going to date, this is the option. Aiden writes in, she says, we don't communicate our feelings to one another, but instead play this guessing game with no intention of being with that person because if you care, if you let on that you care, you're weak because whoever cares the least wins, right? Cynical much? You know what I'm saying? And here's the challenge from my perspective. When you take something that's designed for an adult and you hand it to a child, it'll appear to the child to be complicated. Conversely, from children, if you hand your technology to your parents, it will seem complicated to them and it's not to you. So it works both ways, you see. 
And, and as long as culture approaches, approaches romance and, and, and sexual attraction and relationships like children, it will be complicated, right? You ever pick up a video game and it says rated M for mature, right? Mature. But you have 11-year-old boys playing it, 9-year-old boys playing it, and they get a little crazy and we're like, where did that come from? Any, anyways, it's rated mature. Dating should be rated mature. Can I get a good amen from all the ladies in the house today? But it's not actually as complicated as we've made it. Those of you who are my age, you just remember, you just go, hey, I like you, you like me, you want to go out. And that would be the end of it. And and that would be, and then they would either like you or they wouldn't, and then you would break up with them and move on to the next one, right? Or they'd break, they'd dump you. Somebody was always dumping somebody. You remember back in the day? Now it's just complicated all the time. It's complicated because you got dumped, but you don't want anybody to know, so you're just saying it's complicated right now. Anyways, I'm not trying to spare your feelings. I'm trying to tell you the truth. No. So here's my advice. Here's my advice, and I think, I think this is what Paul's getting at. We just need to grow up and quit acting like children as it relates to our relationships, and in particular, dating culture. Like, I would say to people who are just constantly in and out of relationships and damaging themselves, like, stop doing that to yourself. Stop creating damage and baggage and harm to one another. Stop acting like children. Because if you don't, it makes one of the most fascinating, powerful, extraordinary things in the world too complicated. It makes it unnecessarily complicated. I have so much to say right now. I don't have time, so next year I promise I'm going to just do a series for all the, all the young folk, and we're going to just teach a whole series about this. Now, here's the deal. The New Testament is fantastic in helping with relationships in general. As you've already seen, and there's a million more, not really a million, there's a lot more, the, 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 uh, incredible text to help us guide in terms of principles, to guide how we treat people, what our responsibilities are to one another. But I'll be honest, the Bible has absolutely nothing to say about dating. Nothing. You're like, you're going to preach about a topic that's not in the Bible? Yes, I'm going to. Now, now the reason that the, the Bible doesn't have anything to say about dating is because it wasn't a thing, right? This, is a, this was a culture where you were committed to someone long before you were an adolescent by your parents. So there was no adolescent culture. You don't read a bunch of, you see Jesus at 12 and then you see nothing about him until he's 30, right? There is no adolescent culture. There's no dating culture. You just got married at 14 or 15 or 16 to whoever your parents told you you were going to marry, whoever they agreed with, the neighbor, you know, with that one daughter that couldn't find anybody or that one son that was like a little out there, like, like if you give me 74 cows, I will hook them up, right? And they would just do that. And it was arranged. And again, Jesus and Paul come along and they write things, they breathe things into the culture that had never been heard about, uh, about what creates value in a human being and how children and women in particular, if you read the writings of Paul and Jesus, how they should be treated. And it was just like a fresh breeze that blew through that patriarchal culture. And, and, And again, nothing though about dating. But the relational teachings that, that, that have to become the guiding principles for dating, the ones that I just gave you. So, so from here on out, this is our opinion. This is not what thus saith God, right, okay? And, but this is, this is our opinions based on 26 years uh, of talking to, counseling with people, and almost 22 years of marriage uh, and, 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 and whatnot, all right? So here we go. Um, this is what I believe, and I think they're super, super important for all of our students, for all of the folks who are single, for all the people who are married and want to get it right and get it better, make it better. Um, these are what I think. Now, I've got to start with one caveat, and I'm going to give you five rules for dating, and I'm going to go fast. Ladies, it's an embarrassing thing that I've got to tell you about men. Most of you already know this by now. 
Um, it's in our nature, most of us, not all of us, it's in our nature that relationally speaking, if we don't have to, we won't. I, just, I have to tell you that. Um, that we have to grow up, and that's who Paul was talking to, mostly. Not you, mostly just to us. That's why he said when I was a man, I spoke like a man. You know, anyways, and now I'm a man. He's talking to men, all right? If we don't have to ask you out, we won't. It's too scary. Come on, someone said it's too scary. Ladies, if you step in and you do the things that we're supposed to be doing, we'll just let you, right? It's embarrassing. It's not an excuse. It's, 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 it's not, there's never an excuse for bad behavior, but it's just a terrible fact of male human nature for most males that if we don't have to, relationally speaking, we won't. So with that groundwork, let me give you five rules for dating. Rule number one, guys, uh, these aren't going to be super spiritual, okay? So just be relax. Ask girls on dates. You're like, what? Th th that's it? Yes, yes. Fellas, actually use the word date, especially if you're going to try to go out with my daughters. All right, anyways, I, I would like to take you on a date because nobody uses that language anymore. It's just, hey, you want to hang out? Hey, you want to do that thing? You want to do a thing at some point? You want to hook up? You want to, you know, whatever? And, and ladies, come on, all the single ladies. All the single ladies. <laughs> uh, uh, aren't you sick of that? Like, don't you want to be asked out, like, on a, on a date? Um, like, make a decision. Like, come on, have a plan. Um, and, and, but I told you that why we do this, ladies, is because we're terrified often, and we want to give ourselves ways out. But here's the thing, fellas. Clarity is honoring, and clarity shows respect. Ask a girl, ask a woman to do something specific on a specific day, on a specific time. And I know the pushback from guys is going to be, yeah, well, then I'm going to actually have to plan something and not just be like, well, what do you want to do? And then she's going to be like, well, I don't know. What do you want to do? I, I don't really care. What do you want to do? Uh, I'll go wherever. What do you want? You guys have been on that. You married people, you do this every time you try to go out to eat, right? <laughs> It started when you were dating, and I'm trying to help you right now not to have that be a thing, right? You need to, ex fellas, you need to exercise your planning muscles. It's a muscle that you're going to need throughout life and in marriage and long term, right? So girl, guys, ask girls on dates. Now, guys, let me tell you why this is a big deal, because it's taking you weeks, maybe even months to get up enough courage to ask her out. It's taken all of this time. You've got your friends praying. Your mother is fasting for you. Um, <laughs> You spend all this time planning what to say, how to say it, so you don't look like an idiot. But when you finally ask, how much time have you given her to think about it? Right, zero. You're like, please go out with me, okay? After like six months of planning and dreaming. So w when you are prepared and you are specific, it honors her by honestly giving her an option to get out of it, right? Like, ah. Uh. So you say like, like I have these spurs, I love the spurs. I have these spurs tickets for next Thursday. They're playing the Lakers, you know, should be a good game. If you can make it happen uh, on that date, like check your calendar. I'd love for you to take you. Let me know if that works. And then she has time to think about it, pray about it, get her friends, her mother fasting for her, whatever. And, and, and if she doesn't want to do it, then she can have an excuse. It's just not going to work for me, right? So that's rule number one. Super deep today, right? We're going super deep. Uh, I'm going to go slow. Ready? Rule number two. L ladies, agree to date, right? Now, uh, here's what I mean. Don't agree to hang out sometime. Don't agree to some... Students, please hear me. Don't agree to some nebulous hookup. H here's the why. Because the bar is set on the first encounter. Not, not that bar. Come on, somebody. Get your head out of it. 
the bar, right? Okay, and this is about, ladies, this is about your self-worth and your respect. You're worth it. You're worth the best. Come on, you're worth the best, and I want you to believe that. In other words, if you don't have the bar set high, I'll be honest with you, from the, the male's perspective, it's not going to get any higher from us, and it's not really even our fault. It's just the nature that we've been handed, and whatever level you're going to receive us at, we just kind of want to keep it there. So that when you come, we need to have a define the relationship moment, we panic and run away. But if you just started with, where do you want, you know, like raising the bar. And, and, and a little more honesty, it takes a long time for us to get better at something, ladies. I just, I want you to know that. Mar- married people, you can say a big amen right about now. Married ladies, right? it takes dudes a long time to improve at stuff that we've been doing since we were four, right? Yeah. So you want to make sure the bar, ladies, you want to make sure the bar starts high. You can always lower it later, but once you, raise, you start with the bar, you can't, it's hard to raise it after you started. Let me just tell you, all right? That's just true of almost in any, any realm, right? So, so if, if somebody says to you, hey, man, hey, girl, you want to hang out? You know, or whatever dudes say now. Like, I don't know what they say. Maybe they just text it. I don't, I don't, even, I don't even think they t- talk to each other anymore. It's just all text. Um, you say, well, ladies, here's what you say. Well, what did you have in mind? And he won't have anything in mind. Um, and, and so maybe you'll try to bail him out. Well, we could do coffee. And then he'll say, when? And now you're asking him out. You see, so <laughs> don't do that. What do you got in mind, my man? What's your plan, right? And, and so ladies, rule number two, don't bend, don't blend, don't pretend because you'll lose yourself in the end and you'll miss uh, and, and you may miss the right person that you're supposed to have, all right? And so at the very outset of a relationship, you have some influence as to how high the bar is going to be set in terms of where this relationship is going. And guys, I'm just challenging you to raise the bar and leave the childish ways behind. Amen, everybody. All right. Some of you are wishing that you didn't come. Others of you wish you had brought this person with you. Um, you still have two more services, all right? Rule number three. This is going to be seeming like one of those ones that, like, why would this be a rule? It should just be normal, but it's not. Number three, don't mistreat anybody. This is all, by the way, all of this is coming under the ethics that we gave you from Paul and Jesus. It seems like this shouldn't be a rule. It should be expected, but it's not. Don't mistreat anyone. Listen to me, because this is a culture that mistreats a lot of people, even if they don't seem to mind being mistreated. Because you're not taking the cue from them or their previous boyfriend or previous girlfriend or their previous relationship, if you are listening today, if you are a Jesus follower, like we shouldn't even have to tell you this because if you're a Jesus follower, you're taking your cue from from how God through Jesus treated you and he has never mistreated you ever, right? And, And so you have no right and I have no right and there is no flexibility, no margin to ever mistreat anyone. We have no right to do it. And in light of our 21st century dating culture and, and what happens in it, here's a sort of practical application. And I could go 10 ways deep on this. I'm just going to go one. Don't, don't lie to each other. Like at the outset, at the beginning of a relationship, don't, don't lie. Thou shalt not lie. That's one of the Ten Commandments. Can I get an amen on that one, somebody? It's not rocket science. Don't fudge your resume. Be real. Like, don't put filters on every picture because, like, I see people I'm going... I know they don't look like that. (laughs) Since the last time I saw them, did they have plastic surgery? That's just, you're just lying with with technology. 
Don't fudge the resume. Don't act like you're better than you're not. Be real, man. No filters. Come on, no filters. Just be honest and be straightforward. Now, here's the thing about the truth, though. The truth sometimes hurts. And, and I want to say this, this next part in, in light of this. Sometimes the, the thing's not working. The relationship's not working. I'm talking, to, I'm talking to dating people, not married people. Like, hey, well, he said. No, 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 no. Right. The truth hurts sometimes in a relationship. Can, can I get an amen? Right? Let me say it this way. The truth hurts less than betrayal does, though. So, folk will just be like, eh, I don't want to tell her that I don't really want to go any further, so I'm just going to cheat on her a bunch of times until she doesn't like me anymore and dumps me. Right? No, 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 no. The truth hurts less than betrayal. Telling somebody the truth is actually honoring. Trying to say somebody's feelings at the expense of the truth is demeaning because you're saying, you can't handle the truth. You know what I'm saying? And they can. It's not okay to avoid hurting people's feelings to protect yourself from the discomfort of having uh, an uncomfortable conversation. That's what P- Paul means. When I talked like a ch- I used to talk like a child, I used to reason like a child, I used to think like a child, but I put all that away. And part of the muscles that we need to develop is how to have uncomfortable conversations in truth and in grace. That's part of what it looks like to be a, a grown-up. Rule number four, got to hurry. Don't allow yourself to be mistreated. And I'm going to say it this way, you are too good for that. And that's not arrogant. That's agreeing with what your heavenly father says about you. And he knows. He says, you're fine because you're mine. And don't allow anybody to treat you less than fine because you belong to the creator of the universe. Amen? Maybe you'd push back and say, well, yeah, but he mistreats me, but I'm in love with him. Or she mistreats me, but I'm in love with her. Well, what do I do then? You get out of the relationship. Because let me tell you why. And a lot of you have seen this happen. Those of you who have lived a little longer. If you stay in it for too long, that will become the new normal for you. And you will start to seek out. When, you, when that person dumps you or hurts, it has messed you up and jacked you up and dumps you off, you will go looking for people just like them. And you'll be going, why do I always end up with the same people? Because you've allowed being mistreated to become the new normal for you. And, and you don't want that to be. You're better than that. And you deserve more than that. And don't put, a, put up with it. If you're dating somebody who mistreats you, get out. Because it's not going to get better because you get married. And it won't get better just because you have a couple of kids. Get out while you can. I was only married people that said amen on that one. I noticed. <laughs> Don't allow yourself to be mistreated. I know that sounds easy because I'm married and and I'm up here saying this, but it's true. And I'm the dad of two girls and I don't want that for them. I don't want to. How how do you know if it's mistreatment? Let let me ask you this. If you're in a relationship and you're going, I don't know if this is mistreatment. If what they were doing, they were doing to your daughter or your sister or your best friend, would it make you upset? And if the answer is yes, then you should be upset for you. Don't, don't, Don't put up with it. Um, your heavenly father doesn't want that to become your new normal. Amen. Last one, rule number five, don't do anything that makes you a liar for life. And you're like, what? Let me get into this. This is the one. This is the one right here. Every relationship you're in, every date you go on, every encounter that you have romantically, relationally, or whatever, it becomes, all of those become part of your story. Right? Every single one of those events becomes a permanent chapter, verse, whatever in your story. And we don't think in terms of writing stories. We think in terms of, well, I'm, this is, that's what happened on Friday and that's what happened last month and that's that one summer. You know, we think in terms of events and single events. And, but every encounter, every event, every decision, every relationship becomes a permanent part of the story of your life. I want you to think about it like this. Right now, <laughs> right now is the present. 
Well, it just was. Now it's in the past, right? What I just said, right? In a little while, this stage of your life, high schooler, college person, single adult, whoever you are, every, all of this time is going to become part of your past. So right now is the present. So you're like, woohoo, present, live, have fun, right? But eventually the stage of your dating life becomes part of your past. Now here's the ethic, the biblical ethic for this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul says, you were bought at a price. I don't have this in your notes. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. This is the biblical ethic behind this. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And here's the thing that a lot of married people around you, nobody told them. So I'm going to give you a heads up. Your past, what's happening right now, but in the future will be your past, um, will show up in your future. It's pesky. It's irritating. It won't go away. Eventually in your future, your past is going to come back around again. And single people, here's what happened to so many married people that you've heard about that had a bad marriage, that broke apart, that whatever. Their past snuck into their present and started destroying their future. So, so now you're wiser because you know when you're, what you're doing now, the oats that you sow now in high school, in, in college, or wherever, will come back and play a role in your future. And it's unwise for you to think, I'll just play around, I'll just goof off, I'll just fool around for a, for a season because it's going to come back around. You need to know that. Single people, I want you, when you think about your current relationship or a previous relationship or a future relationship, whatever, when it's in the rearview mirror, when it's a permanent part of your story, don't you want to be able to write a story that you're proud to tell or at the very least that you're not ashamed to tell? And, and here's the thing, you will be asked. And, he, and, and here's the point right here. And if you're not careful when you're really, really connecting with somebody and you're like, man, maybe we're, this is it. And they ask you that question. Hey, can we talk about your past? Like, how, how were you dating? And how were you, what, what are your stories? And what are some stuff that you wish hadn't happened to you? You, you will risk becoming, the way we're going to put it here, is a liar for life because there are going to be seasons and chapters and relationships that you don't want to tell anybody about that you sort of want to skim over because it's none of her business. And, but, but you carry it with a, as a permanent part of your own story. And, and there's nothing you can do about your past. I'm not, I'm, not sabot- I'm not trying to beat you up for your past, but here's what I'm trying to say. But from this moment forward, you, you have an opportunity to write a different dating script, a different moral script, a different relational script. And, and when you're telling your story to somebody that you fall in love with or, or like a lot, it, it can go something like this. I, 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 can't tell, I can't lie to you and tell you that I've lived a, a, a perfect life, that I'm proud of parts of my story. I did some stuff that I, that I hate, that are part of my story. But there was a specific date when I made a specific decision. And since that date, I have been writing a new and better story. And here's a suggestion, a practical step that you can take this afternoon, and I'm done with this right here. When you go home today or tonight or whenever you get home, single people, I want you to grab an empty box. Maybe it's a shoe box or a cardboard box from Amazon that you got 14 things that you didn't even remember that you ordered last week that showed up on your porch this week. You got a box, right? And by the way, I'm serious about this. I want you to find some time this afternoon or this evening or tomorrow, whenever you can do it, when you can be alone, and I want you to look into that empty box. Get all the packaging and the wrapping out of it. Get it out. And I want you just to do a little mental exercise. I want you to think about all, I want you to take all of the good things 
um, mentally. I want you to take all of the good things that you've accumulated from binge dating, all of the hookups, the, the fabrications on the way in the relationship, the fabrications on the way out. I, I said that gently instead of lying, right? The, the pregnancy test, the guilt, the shame, the heartbreak, the embarrassment, the stories that you hope never show up in public. I want you to take all of the good things that have come from that kind of dating style and I want you to put them into that box. All the good stuff that have come from the way the modern culture dates right now, our, our culture right now dates. I want you to take all the good that comes from that, dump it into a box and what do you have to show for it? You don't have anything. That's the truth. You don't have anything from that. You've added it all up and the sum total of all that is, the, is, is, is what we call your past, your relational past. And you're going to probably have to gloss over a bunch of it or just straight up lie about it to your future prospect. And most of it will not serve you well in your future. And maybe you realize that it's past. And not only does it not prepare you well for the future, that, 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 that way of doing dating, it becomes a drag to the future. Come on, some of you know exactly what I'm ta- talking about because you're living this right now. It becomes a drag to your future, a, a past that you're going to be tempted to sort of smuggle into your future and, to, and, to, and with your future spouse uh, without them knowing about it. But it's going to come back. It always does. It comes back to create baggage and problems for you and for your spouse to carry around. And so when you look at all the stuff that's in that box, would you want that for the people that you love? Would you want what you have to put in your own box? Would you want it for your future kids? And, and if not, if not, then let's grow up. Let's put the childish ways behind us. And, and, and would you be willing to put your childish, and let's be honest, selfish and short-sighted ways behind you? And my advice is that if you don't, is that you just don't put anything else in the box from this day forward. And you, matter of fact, you get a new box and, and you start over. And, and, and just, let me just throw this in there because this is what I'm talking about. And if you have to use sex and sexuality to attract somebody, and that's the only thing you've got, you, you, you got to start fishing in a different pond. Come on, somebody. There's better people out there in the world. And, and every time I see somebody who's newly single get on Facebook and they start, I'm like, come on, you're better than that. And the pictures are like, really, man? Don't, don't, ladies, don't, don't, don't do that. If that's the only way that you can get somebody to attract you is the angles and the filters and too much, too much. Can I just say it that way? Too much. I'm like, I go to church with that lady. You know what I'm saying? Just don't, just fish in a different pond. I know this sounds crude because I'm married and, and like, of course you can say that. Better, better to be alone than with jerks and losers and idiots. I got two daughters, y'all. I just, I want to get this out on the record. And here's what you'll discover, I think, that following Jesus in the realm of romance and following Jesus in the area of personal relationships, that following Jesus in that area will almost instantaneously, instantaneously make your life better and make you, by the way, better at life. Because following Jesus in this area will, will, will prepare you and will protect you, and it will prepare you because he loves you, and it will protect you because he loves you and what, he wants what's best for you. So... If you don't want a relationship like the majority of relationships, then don't date like the majority of daters. In fact, some of us just may need to take a break from that scene altogether until we figure out how to handle it like an adult who follows Jesus and wants to honor God in the way we handle our stuff. Can I get a good amen, somebody? I mean, Lord, uh, thank you. 
God, I know this is just super, super practical. This is not one of those messages where we feel this huge need to respond in some dramatic way. But Lord, this is a way for us just to say what Paul said. This, this is an area, and I wished I had a lot more time to unpack all of this. This is an area that is creating so much damage for our teenagers in high school, even in middle school now, where they're getting sucked into a realm that's it's not made for kids. It's made for adults who think like adults, who behave like adults, who, who reason like adults. And, and truth is, a lot of our adults are still thinking like children in this realm, and, and I think that's what Paul was getting at. We've we got to put away childish thoughts and the ways of thinking that don't serve us well. That don't serve us, they haven't served us well in the past. They're not serving us well in the present, and they certainly are not going to serve us well in the future. And so, Lord, I just pray if there's any single people listening today, God, that this would be a word. Maybe they'd go buy that book. Maybe they'd go have a conversation with people who have successful marriages and say, hey, how did that happen? What, what were you doing? What were the mistakes that you made? And that they would learn, rather than just rushing headlong in to, i got to make my own mistakes. i got to figure it out the hard way. Lord, wise people know what they don't know. And so they go to those who do know, and that's what makes them wise. And I just pray that wisdom would abound in our church, that we would be the kind of people, young people, college people, single adults, older adults who are single, Lord, newly singled people, whatever it is, that we would be the kind of adults who would use wisdom, remembering every encounter, every event is, we're writing into our story. And Lord, we want to be a story that, it's, that we can be proud of as possible, Lord. So I pray you give us grace and wisdom and strength to do this well. In Jesus' name. And everybody said a good amen. God bless you guys. Thanks so much. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.